Amen, amen. Again, welcome everybody that's, uh, that's here today. I failed to mention this in the first service, but for all of our teenagers, motion, youth motion night tonight, make sure you come out for that. They've got a lot of fun things and exciting things planned there. And again, I'm Pastor Perry. It is a privilege to be here always to share the Word of God. And uh, uh, the first service, I'm going to try to slow down a little bit. The first service, I was like, you know, the coyote chasing the roadrunner. I got a lot of scripture today. I love scripture, so we got a lot of scripture to get through. Today's lesson is going to be more on, on theologies. A lot of times we do things with, you know, to encourage, to do different things. It's more some basic theology, but I got a lot of scriptures here for us today. Um, we've just, um, just to let you kind of know where I'm coming from, uh, my wife and I just got back from vacation last night, actually. We spent a week in the mountains, just the two of us, and yeah, it was like so relaxing. And sometimes, you know, you overdo vacations where your agendas are so full of everything every day that you need a vacation to recover from vacation. Anybody else ever been there for that? Yeah. And you know, we just had a place up in the mountains, and honestly, we get up every morning and say, what do you want to do? <laughs> I don't care. What do you want to do? Well, we'll eat breakfast first, and then we'll decide from there. And some days, it was just take a walk. Some days, it was uh, take a drive. We went to antiquing places, and antiquing at my age, it's mean, I had one of those, you know, <laughs> and one of those, and one of those, too. So, uh, yeah, like, are they really antiques? And Penny and I remind ourselves, yes, we are antiques. So, anyway, today in this new series, The Signature of God, I want you to understand that, that God has a purpose for everybody. And he is the great artist of all artists, and he is painting pictures in our life. And he, you know, every good artist, when they finish that picture, they put their signature at the bottom. I don't know about you, but I want the signature of God in my life. I want to know that God is working on me and creating something beautiful in me. He's not finished yet, uh, but his signature's already there. So today, uh, I, I get to start out by talking a few difficult things today, and uh, uh, but I, hopefully I'll, I'll bring it about in a way that uh, uh, won't be too difficult for you. Uh, so we're going to talk today about transformation, that God wants the transformation to take place in our life. And I will show you some unbelievable artwork of mine that will totally and absolutely underwhelm you, uh, but it, it's going to be, you know, it, it's just, it's right from my heart. I will tell you a quick little story. When I was in high school in, uh, uh, in 1976 was the bicentennial and the state of Delaware, they had a contest and you draw a picture uh, with a bicentennial theme and the winner, they get their picture hung in the state house and all of that stuff. Well, I worked hard on this project. I made this faded, furled flag blowing in the wind with the uh, Pledge of Allegiance written over top of it in calligraphy. Spent a lot of time, a lot of hard work, and I won. I got my picture in the newspaper. I won. And my picture went to the state house and it hung there and then it hung in the hallway of our school. I am Mr. Awesome Artist. 
Yes. And one day, the vice principal calls me down. This is, this is months, months later. This was in the beginning of the year. This is like at the end of the year. It's been to the state house. Now it's been hanging in our school hallway for months. Did I say months? People passing by it every day, and I'm like, that's mine. <laughs> See my artwork? Yeah, that's me. Oh, have you watched that? It was, yeah, first place. Remember the newspaper? And one day the vice principal calls me, and he says, hey, Perry, we took the picture down. Do you want it? You know, it's been there for a long time. And I'm sure, I mean, obviously, it'll probably be in the Louvre someday. You know, I mean, it's that good. And he said, yeah, he said, we wanted to leave it up longer, but we had to take it down. And I said, okay, you had to take it down? He said, yeah, somebody picked up on a little glitch there. You misspelled allegiance. First place. <laughs> First place. And I say, yeah, we can throw that in the trash. Uh, <laughs> we don't need to be reminded of that. So, yeah, you're going to be totally underwhelmed by my artwork today, but we're going to get through it. Transformation. Let's start with the scripture. Uh, for we are God's masterpiece. A lot of times, you know, in the world, you'll hear this. Well, I'm just a dirty old sinner. I'm lower than a worm's belly. I'm no good. I'm awful. I'm terrible. God doesn't say that about you. When you're born again, God says you're his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. I mean, you wouldn't call something, uh, uh, you know, a Rembrandt, uh, a piece of junk. Well, God is greater artist than Rembrandt, and he says we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I want you to understand at the end of this message today, if nothing else, that God has something for you that is grand, that is spectacular, that is beautiful for your life. You are his masterpiece. Religion, on one hand, creates conformity, but Jesus is all about transformation. Conformity is, as long as you stick to this set of rules, then you're righteous and you're holy, and you'll make it to heaven even if it's by the skin of your teeth, you know? But Jesus says, I want to transform you and make you into a masterpiece. So religion, conformity. Well, aren't we a religion? Well, yes, technically are, but I don't like to think of us as religious, that we're just by a set of rules. So let's jump into this. I might throw it in high gear a little later because, again, I think I mentioned a lot of scripture today. The gospel, yes, it's good news, but it also means change. It means change. That when we receive Jesus Christ into our heart as our Savior, things should start to change in our life. Christianity should be different from every other religion in the world. It should be different from everything else because we are serving the one true God with the Savior of the world who purchased our salvation. It's okay. You know, I'm not going to do like Pastor Michael. Are you, are you tracking with me? No, I don't go for those cheap things. So, you know, you can say amen, you know, every once in a while. I don't go for gimmicks, okay? Listen, other religions uh, are, are about that conformity. Pray this way, dress this way, wear this, don't wear that. You can tell a lot of religion by their outward appearance. 
You know, if, if, if I see someone walking down the street I can, uh, and they've got certain attire on, I can tell if they're Muslim, I can tell if they are Hindu, I can tell different things by the way they are dressed. And we think Christianity is different, but it really hasn't been over the years because there's a lot of religion that if you dress this way, you're holy. But if you don't dress this way, now let me back up and say, look, I think as Christians we need to have a sense of modesty in the way we appear, okay? I really do. That uh, we don't need to be tempting other people uh, with the way we dress. So I'm not talking about that. But there are certain things. Uh, When I got saved, they had, uh, in the church I was in, they had a set of rules of do's and do nots. You can dress this way, but you can't dress that way. And usually these religious restrictions are always stricter on the women than they are the men. The men, you wore a suit and tie to church and and cut your hair. And basically, that was it. If you did those things, you were cool. You were going to heaven. But if you didn't follow them, you weren't really a Christian. So when I first got saved, I had this bushy, long hair. I know it's hard to imagine right now. There are photographic, there is photographic proof of it. But I had this bushy, long hair. And, uh, you know, I can remember that when I got saved, uh, uh, I, I just love sharing the love of Jesus. And I worked this job as a teenager delivering chips and, and, and candy and baked goods to stores like you see on the racks. And that's what I did. And I went into this country store and I go there to deliver, and there's a man, and he's got like, you know, smile, Jesus loves you, or something like that, over the, the back of the counter. And when I saw that, I said, oh, oh, are you a believer? And the old man said, well, yes, I am. I am a Christian. And I said, that's great. Member of, and he named the church, I won't name it. And I said, oh, that is awesome. I'm a believer too. I'm a Christian. And he went, um... No, no, you're not. <laughs> Wait, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm a, I accepted Jesus. I'm, I'm a Christian. Well, you might be on your way, and what you have been hearing is the Holy Spirit trying to draw you out of that life, but you're not a Christian. Why? <laughs> your hair. You can't be a Christian and have long hair as a man. Huh. Well, needless to say, I never delivered chips or baked goods or candy to that guy again. I was a young Christian, so I was a little carnal still, but that was it. And there was whole rules about, you know, the hair, women, how long your dresses had to be. If you wore a skirt that was like above the knees, you're Jezebel. And if you put some makeup on that, I had a woman ask me one time, Pastor, there's a new church I was going to pastor, what do you think about women wearing makeup? Mm. That's a loaded question, too. And I said, well, you know, I was raised on a farm, and if the barn needs painting, paint it, you know. That's, that, was, that was my response, you know, to that one. But there were whole things on it. I did this, and for, forgive me, after I preach one <clears throat> time, my throat's about, my voice is about gone. But uh, uh, they, they, they preached about it. They wrote it down in commitments that you had to have. They even sang about it. There used to be a song that went like this. Again, forgive my voice, but if your hair is too long, there is sin in your heart. Get it cut today and make a new start. Why go around in fear and dread? 
Then you got to go tenor, which I can't do. With a shaggy mess upon your head. If your hair's too long, there is sin in your heart. Doesn't that just touch you? <laughs> I won't sing the whole thing. If you're dressed too short, there is sin in your heart. <laughs> you know, the whole list, you could do that. And they believe this stuff. The gospel means change. It's not man changing you, but God changing you. All right. Let's get, jump into some scripture here. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's the new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become what? Have become what? New. Old things have passed. You're a new creation. A brand new creation. Listen, gospel means change. We are new. That word new creation, the root of it is the same root as metamorphosis. If you think about that ugly old caterpillar, I hate caterpillars. I hate creepy things anyway. Spiders and bugs and I don't like any of it, you know. But, but, but a caterpillar, oh, they're a cute little fuzzy thing. Well, let me put it on your face, okay? They're not cute. But this caterpillar will go into a cocoon and it'll come out as a beautiful butterfly. And that's kind of like the born again experience. We come to know Christ, we get in the church, we get the teachings of the Lord, and God changes something in us and creates in us a beautiful, beautiful person. The gospel is changed. That's why it's important to be involved in the church or in the cocoon. Let God change you and that metamorphosis to take place. We try to fix our sin, but God wants to change us and make us something new. Now, here's where you get blown away by the artwork. I just, people may faint and everything, you know, that, 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 that's, that's you, okay, I did, you know, I think it's Dan Lundberg, I'm not sure, uh, put a beard down there, we got Dan, uh, but, but this, this is our life before coming to Christ, okay, and we've got all of these things, uh, gossip and pride and lust and envy and greed. And I would need a giant screen to put all of the things down. And, and when we're here, this is what religion tries to do. It, 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 it tries to cover it up. But just as soon as you cover one up, the other one is, is more prevalent. And we spend all of these religious rules, you know, that, that, uh, uh, um, that, that will keep us in line with the church... But God doesn't transform us. All we do is keep covering things up. You know, if, you know, the pastor will preach on greed. Put your money, uh, you give your money to God. Don't be greedy. Don't do this. So we're going to get greed taken care of. And now we're going to go home. We're going to gossip about the preacher talking about money. You know, so that one, and we get rid of the gossip. And we, we think about, you know, I'm doing so good. I haven't gossiped in so long. I'm better than everybody else right now. And pride takes over. And all of these things are in our life and we keep trying to fix them by a bunch of man-made rules and man can't fix any of these. None of it. What God wants to do is he wants to take all of our sin. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. That saved Dan. Okay? All things have become 
new. None of this stuff is here. He's thrown it in the sea of forgetfulness to remember it no more. So let's talk about this with a person in the Bible. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious, religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. How do we know he is a religious man? By the way he dressed. Pharisees wore certain things that, that distinguished them from everybody else. And he came to Jesus. I find it interesting. He came after dark. Why? He knew he needed to change, but he was probably afraid of what his friends would think, of his fellow Pharisees, of how they would act, that he didn't want to reveal and let people know uh, that he was different. We see the same thing happening today. You know, there's people outside of the church. We don't tell anybody we're Christians. I don't understand it because when I got saved, I told everybody. When I gave my heart to Jesus, I went to school the next day and, hey, Perry, what's happening? Oh, man, not much. I got saved last night. <laughs> what? I'm a Christian now. What's that mean? I don't know. It's only been a day, but I'm a Christian now. I mean, I did. I told everybody, family, friends, the pet dog. I was telling everybody that I was saved. Nicodemus is like, you know, I'm going to go at night and just check this dude out a little bit. That's okay if that's the way you come to Jesus, come that way. That's fine. But you should leave not being afraid to tell your friends. Don't be, don't be afraid of that. The greatest thing in the world just happened to you. I mean, you know, some of you today, if you got tickets for 50-yard for line front row seats to the Eagles game, you would tell everybody in the world about it. I mean, you would be like, boom, I'm there. Hey, everybody. You'd post it on Facebook that you got, and then you'd put 411 pictures of it up while you're there. But the creator of the universe just started a masterpiece in your life, and you keep it to yourself? What's going on? Well, I can't tell my friends. What will they think about me? Your friends are probably going to hell, and they need to know the good news as well, that they can change. Amen? I'm not talking about being some, you know, some, some zealot that makes a fool of himself. There used to be a guy years ago at the Dover Mall, not the one now, but one Blue Hen Mall. Some of you that are old like me might remember the Blue Hen Mall. But there used to be a guy that would stand out front at Christmas time, and he had a bell. He wasn't dressed as Santa Claus, but he would walk up and down the, the, the front of the sidewalk and yell, Repent! That's the only thing he would say. Scare the bejeebies out of me when I was a little boy. And then I got saved. And I thought, you know what, dude, I'm going to meet you. You've been doing this for a long time. So I walked up to him. He's ringing his, repent. And I said, hey, brother, how's it going? And he looked at me like this, and he screamed, repent. <laughs> Scared the bejeebies out of me again. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about letting God present an opportunity for you to share your faith. I didn't say that earlier, but somebody needed to hear that. So, should I tell my friends I'm a Christian? Oh my gosh, if they're your friends and you've been saved for a year and they don't know you're a Christian, you are messing up. They need to know that you're born again. You're the answer for their life too. 
well, my boyfriend might not, he might break up with me because, you know, I know I shouldn't do things that we did before now that I'm a Christian. So I don't know, my, my, my girlfriend, she might, you know, and, and after all, everybody's doing it. Well, then, you know, if you're a Christian, you should stop doing it and don't worry about them because if everybody's doing it, they can find somebody else to do it with. Mm. Oh, I don't have enough time to say everything I want to say. Oh, let's move on here. So, then Nicodemus, Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. This is a Pharisee he could recognize. He could see, he saw him as a good teacher, and some of us think of him in the same way. We love the teachings of Jesus. Oh, he talks about love and forgiveness and turning the other cheek and walking the extra mile. Isn't that good? But he also says to repent. And he also says to follow me and take up your cross. Teaching was not Jesus' goal. Transforming lives was Jesus' goal. Let me say that again. Teaching was not his goal. Transforming lives was his goal. Don't make me start going, are you tracking with me? Listen. Teaching is not the goal of true life. We've got some really good teachers in this church. Pastor Michael brings an outstanding word every time he steps in this pulpit and does a great job, and Joel and Whitney and, and, and Bree and others that have shared the, the gospel, they bring a great word every time they, they, they fill this desk in our classes and teaching. Got great te- But teaching is not the goal of true life. Transforming lives. We need to show the evidence that God is with us. So Jesus replies to him, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I think we need to get back to using born again a lot. We say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of people that have polluted that word Christian. Because it, it doesn't resemble what Christ said a Christian is. You know, I like using the term, I'm born again. I have been born again. And then I, I like Nicodemus's reply. What do you mean? <laughs> I, almost, I read sarcasm in stuff because I'm kind of a sarcastic person. I said, be born again. Come on, man. What do you mean here? How can an old man go back into his mama's womb and be born again? That's just dumb, Jesus. What are you talking about? That's the Perry Mears translation of that. You see, it didn't make sense to him. And I'm going to tell you what. It doesn't make sense how a person who is a rascal, who's a sinner, who's vile, who's mean, who does all of this stuff, it doesn't make sense to me how that in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, God can take that person from a scoundrel and turn him into a masterpiece. doesn't make sense to me. But I see it all the time. I see it all the time. Amen. So Jesus replies to him, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water. Water baptism coming up real soon. Sign up for it. You know, we want to dunk you. We'll bring you back up, I promise. Born of water and the spirit. Humans can only reproduce human life But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. This is Jesus speaking. You must be, you can't just join a church. You need to be born again. 
And we're glad you're in church. You need to take that step and be born again. So here is the next one. First one, the gospel is changed. God loves us as we are. Understand that. God loves you right where you're at. If you're here today and you're that scoundrel that I, that I described, Jesus loves you. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves you right where you're at. And if you're born again, but you haven't started to experience change in your life of God forming something, that new creation in you, Jesus still loves you where you're at, but he loves you too much to leave you there. You've heard Pastor Michael say it, Pastor Chris Hodges says this a lot, that he loves us where we're at, but he loves you too much to leave you where you're at. Amen. He wants you to grow. He doesn't want you to be a baby forever. He wants you to grow. There's two different versions of Christianity in the world. One is God loves you as you are, and the other one is God wants to change you. They're not, they're not exclusive. They're together. He never intended those teachings uh, shouldn't, should not be one. So we have two different worlds. One is the grace world. The grace world is prevalent today, and that is God's grace, 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 grace. It doesn't matter how you live. God's grace is big enough to cover all of it. It's okay. Do what you want to do. God's grace, God loves you, and he does love you. But we don't want to abuse his grace. And the other one is, you know, you're going to hell. You don't turn, you're going to burn. You lie, you fry. You know, that's it. You have no second chances. And I used to feel that way because every time I messed up, I thought, that's it. God's done with me and I'm going to hell. <laughs> My mom and dad used to watch this little girl and she was from the South. Her family was from the South and they were part of the church that was very legalistic in a lot of things and my, my dad, he smoked a pipe, and I can remember, dad loved this little kid. She's a little teeny thing, you know. And he had her up on the counter one day, and she said, Mr. Joe, if you don't quit piping that pipe, you're going to hail. You know, in the South, it's two syllables, hail. Uh, you know, and, and, and people, you know, we, we want grace, and we need to understand that there is a heaven and there is a hell, but we should never be, I've heard preachers preach about hell with a smile on their face. No, it's not a place that was created for mankind. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that's Jesus. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Jesus came with grace, but he also came with truth. So, here's the difference. Grace attracts. I love the grace of God. That God loved me while I was still a sinner. And that as a Christian, God loves me even when I sin. He still loves me. He doesn't take his love. His grace, and his grace will, will woo me back and put me where I need to be. Grace attracts. Truth untangles. You know, gr you know grace will, 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 will take all of this stuff and do away with it. Grace and then truth keeps it from entering back into our life. And when it does come back in, it gives us the word to get rid of it. Okay? So, grace invites us to be free and truth sets us free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, if you know this truth, it will set you free. Listen, here, here's the hard one. 
If I'm not changing, I might not really, I put might, I might not really know God. I mean, if I give my heart to Jesus and I'm still the same old scoundrel that I used to be, then am I really serving God? Am I, if I'm not changing, I might not know God. I'm not your judge. That's why I said might. So this isn't an amen. This is one. We love you, Pastor Perry. Even if we don't like what you're saying, we love you. I need to hear that, folks. I'm insecure. <laughs> the word says this. 1 John 1, 6 through 10. This is the word. This isn't Pastor Perry. This is the word. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not live out the truth. That's hard. That, that's... We love you, John. <laughs> if you, if we claim and we keep walking in the darkness and doing the things God doesn't want us to do, we lie. Good news, grace, but if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I am way behind, so we're going in hyperspeed. If we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves. So I'm not standing up here telling you that I don't sin because I do. And so do you. God forgave my sinful nature. He gave me this. But I allow some of these things to come back in. The difference is I don't want to put a band-aid over it this time. I want to get rid of it. If I say, you know, I follow these sets of rules... I cut my hair. Well, it fell out. I cut my hair. I wear the long dress. I don't wear the makeup. I do this. I do that. I put so much money in the, t in the offering plate. I blah, 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 blah. I'm deceiving myself if I say I'm without sin. The good news is if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. Mm. Listen, confess your sin. The point here is, is this. He didn't say we wouldn't. This is written to the church, by the way. He didn't say we wouldn't sin, but what he did say is don't excuse the sin, confess the sin. Let me say that again. Don't excuse the sin, confess the sin. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. You don't know. I hear this all the time. Pastor, you preach in freedom about forgiveness, that we need to walk in forgiveness, but you don't know what they did to me. Did they put you on a cross and put nails through your hands and nails through your feet and a spear in your side and a crown of thorns on your head and beat you and punch you and mock you and do all of that, but yet he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When you pass that threshold, complain to God. Oh, this is hard. Pastor Michael, you did this on purpose. <laughs> Listen, confess our sins. We need to confess our sins. What do you mean by that? Here, here's, here's, this is going to help you out a little bit. Don't excuse your sin. Don't rationalize your sin. Admit that it's sin even if you're doing it right now. Okay? God, I, this is sin. This is sin. I know it's sin. And I need your help. I need, I'm confessing it to you, God. I'm doing it right now, and I know it's sin. 
This is what gets me as a pastor over the years so many times, and probably most pastors would say the same thing. When somebody comes to you and they're dealing with a sin, they're dealing with something they shouldn't be doing, and they say something like this, well, pastor, I know that the Bible says I shouldn't be doing this. I I know it says that, but I've really prayed about it. I've really prayed about it, and I believe, those are like, I hate those words. Because you've already said that you're not going to agree with the scripture. I believe that God has given me the okay to do this. Liar. He doesn't. Could you imagine? Officer, 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 I understand what the stop sign is there for. But I go through this intersection every day at 7 o'clock, and I have never seen a car come in the other way. I'm just saying that I feel for me it's okay for me to blow through this stop sign. What's the officer going to say? Oh, yeah, no problem then. I didn't understand that. Sarcasm, get it? Okay. All right, let me, let me, let me, let me move on here. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. What do you mean we make him out to be a liar? If you're telling people you're saved and you're born again and you're following the precepts of the holy word of God and you're living uh, things that make a mockery of God, the world's going to think God's a liar. What do you mean God's real? He can't even change you. Mm. Fast speed. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. I know him, I just don't follow a thing he's doing. It'd be like saying, I am married to my wife, but I ain't got nothing to do with her. (laughs) No, 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 no. But if anyone obeys his word... Love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Moving fast here uh, in, in John the fifth chapter, first John fifth chapter. In fact, this is the love of God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. Why are his commands not burdensome? Because now... It is not that he makes you do these things. Here's this list of religious rules that I got to check out. But when the love of God comes into your heart, you want to do those things. Amen. I want to forgive people that I used to want to punch in the face. (laughs) I want to love people. I want to honor God. I want to see people come to the kingdom. He, it's, it's not his his commands are not burdensome. Why are his commands? Listen, let's move. I got three things here real quick. We need to get past who we were and focus on who God wants us to become. The t- thing in the 70s used to be, we were coming out of the, the 60s, the hippie movement. There was a whole Jesus movement that was taking place. And it seemed like everybody that gave a testimony in church was an ex-hippie and recovering from drug addiction. And you would spend 15 minutes talking about how bad of a drug addict you were and 39 seconds speaking about Jesus came into your life and that part's over now. And sometimes they talked about it like they wished they were back there. You know, I don't understand. But listen, we need to get past who we were and focus on what what God wants us to be. We need to get past 
you know, all of this stuff. We need to get past these things and become good Dan, okay? Get past, maybe that's why God chose so many broken people to be heroes of the faith. Moses, who, who, who murdered an Egyptian, led the people to the promised land. Paul, who actually had Christians executed, became you know, writers of two-thirds of the New Testament. David, who was an adulterer, became king over Israel. In, in Romans 1, Paul said it this way. Paul, the murderer of many Christians. No, 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 I'm sorry. Paul, the servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. He didn't say Paul the murderer. He didn't say Paul the, the red list. He said, here, Paul, right here, a servant of God. You need to get past those things. I'm not focused on what I was. I'm focusing on what I be, can become. So Colossians 3, 7 through 8, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of such things. I used to be something else, but I'm not that anymore. He's made me a new creation. We need to get from used to to the but now. Next thing, this is important. We need to give God permission to change everything. He's the master artist. He is the one who has a plan for you that is unbelievable. Give him permission. God doesn't need permission. He, does, he can make you, but that's not who God is. He said in, in Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anybody will open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Isn't it time? Listen, here, today. Maybe you've accepted Christ, but that change hasn't been taking place. You need to give him permission to change everything. God, anything I'm holding on to, I need to release to you. Surrender it all. I'm not going to read all of this, but this is written to the church. But the acts of the flesh are obvious. I love it when somebody, you know, who is like, they run into their pastor sometime and they're doing something they shouldn't be doing and they think they can cover it. <laughs> I didn't tell this story. I'll tell this real quick. Years ago, the church I was in, we had that list of rules and there were certain things that were like, it's a slow journey to hell, and there's other things that were like direct slingshot to hell, you know, and some of those were, you know, drinking and smoking and chewing and, you know, the old thing, don't, don't hang, hang out with those who cuss, drink, and chew, you know, uh, don't cuss, drink, and chew, and don't hang out with those who do, but this one woman, she was part of the church. And you know what? If you've got a habit, I don't care if it's overeating, if it's smoking, if it's drinking, if you've got something you want to overcome, hey, I'd love to pray for you because i got habits myself I need to overcome. And I understand this. But this woman, it was a no-no to smoke. I mean, it was like a no-no to smoke. And I run into this woman in a shopping center-like thing, and I see her far off, and, man, she lit up, man. I mean, she's, and, and I, hey, and it went behind her. So my honorary self, I just went up to her, Hey, how you doing, sister? Hey, good talk. And I just, I decided I'm going to talk to her as long as I can because I know that cigarette's getting shorter. <laughs> yes, it was mean. And no, it wasn't sending her to hell. It might send her out of this life quicker than she should go. But, <laughs> and so I could see the smoke coming out from behind her. <laughs> and finally, she did one of these. 
and flicked it. And I said, okay, have a good day. You know? <laughs> she probably like, it's obvious. And the one here, just debauchery. Debauchery kind of sums it all up, and that just means allowing myself to do whatever I want to do. It goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit, oh, it goes on with all of those. And then, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. You can read the rest of them there. Singular, not plural, the fruit of the Spirit. This is the masterpiece God wants to bring into your life. I love gardening because I love to see tomatoes and peppers and things pop in the garden one day. And I love to see it when fruit of the Spirit starts popping in our life. Fruit is not something you do. It's something that grows. Let me move on. I am way over. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll give me anything I want. No, he'll give you the want. Okay? I said this before. I was raised on a chicken farm in Sussex County. By the time I went to high school, I'd never traveled further than Philadelphia or Washington, and those were class trips. That was it, you know. Uh, after becoming a Christian and serving God, I've had the opportunity to preach the gospel in Ireland, in South Africa, in Zimbabwe, and in places that I had no desire to go to, but God put that desire in my heart because I delighted myself in him. Let me move on real quick. I'm going to just go on from there. Philippians, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is allow the change to begin today. This is why we, what we do at True Life. We want to help that change to take place. You need to accept Christ as your savior and then allow him to start the masterpiece in your life. Allow him to do that. Sunday mornings, that's what we design them for. For you, the greeters, the ushers, the hospitality, the tech team, the worship team, the, 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 the children's workers, everybody, the pastors. It's designed to give you the opportunity to be transformed. And we do this because we care about where you spend eternity. Let God do the masterpiece. And the thing is, the last scripture. But we all with unveiled face beholding him as in a mirror the glory of the Lord we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord. You ever see a kid when they do something wrong and they get called out on it? I know my kids. They weren't like, you know, I didn't see Joel or Jordan or Perry or James uh, I didn't see any of them come to me. Yeah, Dad, <laughs> I did that. I broke it. <laughs> no, it was usually something like this. Dad, I, I need to tell you something. They didn't want to look at me. They didn't want to look at me in the eye. He says that we can come with unveiled face before God. But I got sin in my life. I've got things. He is working on the masterpiece. He's working on you. He's working on me. He says we can come before him with an unveiled face. We can look up and we can tell him, Father, look, I messed up. I'm confessing my sin to you. I'm not making an excuse for it. This is what it is. And we can be transformed like we're looking in a mirror. Only when we look in a mirror, we're not seeing ourselves. We're seeing Jesus. 
Because that's the masterpiece that we would act like him and talk like him and look like him spiritually to this world. I heard Chris Hodges tell this story. I was fascinated by it. So I got on the internet. I listened to interviews with this woman, uh, two or three interviews. I read articles on it. I even read negative articles from those who don't believe, you know, that, that something like this could take place. But uh, it's featured in National Geographic. There's a woman by the name of Marina Chapman. That is Marina. She's in her 60s. And yes, she's up in a tree one of her hobbies, climbing trees to this day with her grandkids now. Marina, there's a book out called The Girl With No Name. That's Marina. The beginning is very sad. She was born in Colombia, and between the years of five and six, there's no record because of what happened, exactly how old she was, but she's figuring around five years old, maybe, she was kidnapped from her village. Two men kidnapped her. She remembers the hand going over her mouth and being drugged out into the jungle. I won't go into what happened to her. You can imagine what these men did to her. They left her there in the jungle, scarred, bruised, naked, little girl. And they left. And she knew for sure that within an hour or two that her family would find her there. That they would rescue her and bring her back. Only one hour turned into two, turned into five, turned into ten, turned into a day, to two days, to three days. By then she's starving, but she noticed these monkeys in the trees over top of her. The capuchin monkeys, I believe they're called in that area. And she watched them as they would bring fruit back to the tribe of monkeys. And they would drop some of the fruit. And if she was really quick, she could grab the food and, and eat it before the monkeys would come and take it back. In the beginning, the monkeys would, were, were scratching her and clawing at her and pushing her. And, and, and she just thought they were going to kill her. That's all she can remember as a little girl. Day went into day, went into week, went into months. And after a time, you can read about it. There's some fascinating things. She learned the danger signal. She lost her, voice, her ability to speak her language anymore. And she started being able to mimic the sounds the monkeys made. She knew when danger was coming. And she would climb the trees with the monkeys. And eventually they started bringing food to her and sharing. She spent about five years. They estimated it by the length of her hair. That's the only way they could guess how long, how much hair grows per month, per year. She spent about five years in the jungle, living with the monkeys, not seeing. Every once in a while, she would see a hunting party. The monkeys would put the alarm, and they would all go into hiding. And she would see these strange people. Until one day, they had left something behind. And I don't know if it was a whole one or a part one, but it was a piece of a mirror. And after they left, she, it was attracted to her, and she picked it up, and she looked at herself. And she realized, I'm not one of them. I look like those people. And so the next time a group came into the jungle, Marina, which was given to her later, that name, 
Marina allowed herself to be rescued. Another whole story, she eventually ended up in servitude to a family so that she could eat. And eventually, they educated her. She got married and had kids. I said all of that story about Marina to say this. She saw herself as something different than what she was living. That's what Jesus wants you to see. He wants you to see that you're different. God has something so different for you. No matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've struggled with, God has a plan for your life. And I just, I, we've gone long today. I apologize. We're going to have to get out of here and get back. We've got a few minutes. But I just want to say this. If you're not born again, or maybe you've just, your born again experience has just been coming to church and you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins. The moment you say that, God starts making that masterpiece with master strokes. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? If you're here today in person or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus Christ, you've never made that commitment to him and you want to. Would you just right now just lift your hand and say, Pastor Perry, that's me. I need, to, I, I need to follow Christ. Anybody at all? Amen. 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 I see the hands. I see the hands. Well, I want to tell you this. Just pray this simple prayer with me. All you're doing is asking him to come into your heart. And the rest of you that are here, would you say this out loud with me? just to help them say this with me Father God say it out loud everybody Father God I give you my life I ask you to come into my heart forgive my sin and make me a new person I receive you as the Lord of my life and I give you permission to create in me a masterpiece. Amen. Amen. Look up at me for a moment here, just a couple of things before I pray a prayer of blessing we dismiss. If you prayed that prayer today, if you prayed it in your own line, there's a little place at the bottom. You can just click there, fill out the, the comments uh, on, on the little thing there, and let us know that you gave your heart to Jesus. If you did that here in the, in the front uh, of the chair there, there's a little card there. Fill that out. Let us know. We're not going to bombard you with things. We just want to get you the information so you can make the make next steps in your life in this transformation that's taking place. I think one thing here before the worship team comes back out, they're on their way back out in the moment after I pray, but before I pray, there's people today, there's people today that became part of the family of God. Can we welcome them into the family of God? Amen. Would you stand with me right now? Let me pray. Father God, I thank you and I praise you for everyone listening right now. I just pray, God, a blessing over each and every one. I pray, God, that you would touch their lives, that you would give them a great week this week. And for us, for me, Lord, help me, God, when I sin to confess my sin and to not excuse it. Help me, Lord, 
to walk in the path you have for me, God. I speak blessings over each and every one, God, in the name of Jesus.